the one, the only, the classic Halloween. Halloween night. A small American town. Fifteen years ago. Hello, welcome to the Wages of Cinema. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I'm still doing Echo. <laughs> no, no. All right. How are you doing, everybody? I'm Jack, and with me is... Wifely Duties Corey. Aww. Does that make me a husband duties, Jack? You are very good at performing husbandly duties, so... Okay. <laughs> that doesn't sound dirty at all. <laughs> what a way to begin the podcast. Um, no, actually, I'm in a good mood, though, because we just had our anniversary. We did. We've been married for 10 years now. I know. God, that's like, it's so fun to say that. It's so cool. Um, and actually, I feel it, it's, it's interesting when you think about because yesterday was technically the anniversary. We went and did anniversary stuff the day before because you had work but last night we and i guess you could say this is how we really spent our anniversary together we watched the original john carpenter's halloween yes and you gotta say the full thing john carpenter's halloween now this was obviously not the first time we had seen it no no but for me it was the first time in a long time yeah um yeah and i um I, and I wanted to actually take this time to, to do kind of like a versus between the original Halloween and which we again saw yesterday and the movie that is called Halloween, but I don't know if we should call it Halloween H4O, <laughs> you know, because we, we don't, we don't want to get confused with also Halloween from 2007 directed by Rob Zombie. Which you saw, but I didn't. Yeah, I felt like you did see that with me. Are you sure you didn't just block it out of your head? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I didn't see it. Yeah. So, um, but the thing is, uh, we, hold on, I'm going to move the laptop a little bit because it's uh, probably a little far. All right, that's still good. We can talk really loud like that. Um, I first saw this movie when I was pretty young, uh, relatively so. I saw it when I was in middle school, I guess. And I have a weird memory with it uh, because I believe that I saw Halloween 2 before I saw Halloween. <laughs> I might have told you about that before, but it was a weird thing. I think it was just because Halloween 2 was at my local video store. And for some reason or another, they I don't think they carried the first Halloween proper. And, but me and my friends were like, eh, just rent Halloween 2, screw it. You know, we need some slasher. And they're like, you know, you don't care. And so my first exposure to Halloween was watching the end of the first Halloween. I actually saw part of Halloween 2 first as well. Hmm. But it was on TV though. So it was like the USA edit. Yeah, which is weird too, because I might have watched this once, but Halloween 2... Also, not to be confused with Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, and what I'm sure will be Halloween 2 coming from <laughs> this movie that we just watched. But anyway, uh, I actually, and I remember, but I I ended up seeing the John Carpenter Halloween 
pro- the first one, it had to have been within like a week or so after I saw Halloween 2 because I realized, no, I need to go back. And I even remember for years the videotape I owned because it was a special blockbuster video presents mm-hmm. Halloween for some reason they would sometimes put out uh video videos I guess maybe if they were by independent things um I didn't I guess I just didn't see the movie the way it was meant to be seen which is bit you know nice and wide and all that but um watching the movie again it's it's kind of interesting because uh you know for and for those who don't but if you haven't seen Halloween, maybe it's a good idea to just watch the movie before you listen to our podcast. Yeah, we're not going to be worried about spoiling a 40-year-old movie. No, no, not at all. But you got to sometimes say that because, you know, it, it... Some people will stumble on this podcast and be like, I've never seen it! La, 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 la. Nobody's listening it, to a film podcast who hasn't seen Halloween, I Yeah, and I'm, and I'm... We could actually even talk about the art of podcasting in this podcast too. Yes. In regards to <laughs> that, the, the new one. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the story, you know, Michael Myers, six years old, kills his sister. It's put away in the mental institution, 15 years. Somehow, like, I guess he orchestrates a breakout and like all of the inmates are like just out roaming around outside at night. Yeah. Because um, do- good old Dr. Loomis, played by Donald Pleasance, um, he shows up and uh, and then through like kind of magic, like evil powers, <laughs> uh, Michael Myers like gets onto like the car and the nurse that's in the car gets out. And then Michael Myers uses his magic evil powers to drive away. <laughs> and then, of course, the rest of the movie, it's Halloween and he is stalking Laurie Strode and her babysitter friends. Yes. And, again, first movie, I almost, I feel like when I was younger, I really didn't admire the the filmmaking in it. I didn't really admire how just impeccably crafted this thing is. I was more just, like, taking it in as another slasher movie. Uh, And I knew that, I even knew when I was in middle school, this is... This is superior to a lot of the other slasher movies. Like, even uh, with the exception, maybe, of Jason Takes Manhattan. (laughs) (laughs) My beloved movie where Jason is in Manhattan for 15 minutes. Um, I knew it was superior. Um, I don't know, did you watch it? Did you watch it that much? Like, did you only watch, like, the once and then... No, I had seen it several times. So, I don't remember when exactly I saw this movie for the first time, but I was probably around, like, 13 or 14. And Which is usually, I feel like, the age that you start to watch a lot of the, the slasher and movies. And I remember my father owned a copy, and I just randomly decided one day, I know this movie has a lot of hype and acclaim, I'll pop it on and watch it. And I watched my father's copy probably maybe like three or four times in the remaining years that I lived with my parents. Mm. But as soon as I moved out of my parents' house and no longer had access to my parents' VHS tapes, um, <laughs> that was the end. So Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that was kind of similar for me. I watched it, I feel like I watched it a few times when I was 
in you know again middle school and maybe in the high school but there's probably a gap of a lot of years where i hadn't seen it yeah and i found that i remembered um the second half of the movie pretty well I had forgotten a lot of the first half of the movie. Well, the first half of the movie is the setup. Like you're, you're watch. You probably you probably remember the the first half because there are, you know, with the exception of the opening, there aren't really any murders. Yeah. Or anything like but that. once once Michael Myers gets to murdering again, <laughs> I remembered it pretty clearly, even though I hadn't seen it in a while. <clears throat> yeah. Um. And I had actually I I'd seen I'd saw this Halloween. A few years ago, they did a little, like, one-night event re-release thing that sometimes Cineplexes do. Uh, so some of it was still pretty fresh, but um, I just still admire that it, it... Sometimes you watch an older horror movie, and maybe it will hold up in some ways, and other ways it won't. With this, I feel like what works so well is that it... I think we talked about this when we were watching the movie. It it has a slightly timeless quality because it doesn't rely on things like jump scares, which yeah. we're so used to. It, it's more about just the ever-present creeping dread of the thing that's out there that is going to get you, and you just don't know when. Yeah, and what's funny is Halloween is justly beloved because of its score, and the score is great. Yes. But what I love about when I watched the original Halloween again was that the score doesn't beat you over the head every time Michael Myers is in the background of a scene. No, I mean, it, it's... To me, it, it, I almost equate Michael Myers in the movie to being, like, the shark in Jaws. <laughs> like, he gets... He has a theme, you know? And I, I have to think, even though... Uh, I watched the movie with the John Carpenter commentary after we watched it, and he never mentions Jaws, but I have to think that he must have had that somewhere in the back of his mind, because it even has, like, that simple... Like, Jaws had... And this movie has... Yeah. And, you know, it's... You know, he... Obviously, when he suddenly appears and starts choking you know, one of our, one of the teenagers, the music suddenly cues on and you hear ding, <laughs> but it somehow works. It feels like it's part of the movie itself. So you know? I think we have both watched many, many, many horror movies. In Too our many lives. to count. And I think this, the original Halloween does some of the very best. Oh no, he's in the background shocks. Ever. Yeah. Of I any mean, horror movie ever. There's that scene w which I, I'm just so impressed just with the cinematography, how, uh, and the movie shot by Dean Cundy and he, uh, he shot a lot of John Carpenter's movies and he shot Jurassic Park, uh, a lot of other things. There's that bit where Laurie discovers, uh, you know, her three friends in the house. Yeah. And she suddenly, you know, she, she's kind of like, kind of crying by herself and like she kind of backs up into a corner and she's in one part of the frame and the other part is this blackness and then yeah michael myers's face just kind of very slowly appears but i still watching it i almost don't know how they did that 
and I know I, I should know how they did it. Like maybe they r raised the light in a certain way to illuminate the mask somehow, but it just feels so creepy. Like he's he's coming out in the, of like an abyss, um, and you know. And again, the movie also doesn't do anything to explain him either. You know, yeah. like it doesn't do like a whole thing of. Yeah. Well, he had this psychosis, and he decided to go, and he couldn't stop killing, and blah, 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 blah. Um, I think the closest to that, maybe, is that maybe the movie suggests that since he killed his sister, he's kind of, like, trying to relive that in some way. Yeah, and I assumed... Now, in fairness to the movie... I listened to part of the commentary with you mm -hmm. and Deborah Hill, right? Yeah, she was the producer yeah. and co-writer of the movie. Now, this was her part of the commentary and she explicitly said the movie was not trying to do this. So I guess I just misinterpreted it. Okay. But I assumed that Michael Myers um, stabbed his sister to death because he thought she was a hoe. <laughs> Really? That's what you thought? Yeah. Huh. Because, well, that's the thing in the commentary. Uh, they talk about how, and maybe it was because they were trying to be a little defensive because, you know, there are like a thousand and one movies inspired by Halloween where the whole idea is, oh, you're, including Friday the 13th, where, oh, you're the one virginal girl. You may or may not die, but everyone else be fucking around and is going to die. In a way, it almost goes back to, we also recently rewatched uh Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods. Uh, the great, great uh, Cabin in the Woods. Uh, and actually, we watched that because Bad Times at El Royale is, is out now, and you should all go see that. Um, but, I don't know, because like, they were trying to defend it. That, like It's not like Michael Myers is killing these women specifically because they're having sex. It's this is how she tried to say it. it's because they're all just too busy to notice that yeah, so, someone is going wrong, which is a fair, it's a fair defense. So yeah, when I, um, meanwhile, Laurie Strode is just kind of like, huh, who is that? Who's that? But yeah, so I should say that the creator explicitly said that's not what she was going for. But when I saw the movie, I took it at, at some subconscious level, child Michael Myers was disgusted by the fact that his sister had mm. just had sex, and... Maybe there's a little bit, too, of, uh, I don't know what you call it. It's not the Oedipal thing. It's, but, like, if you're, you know, you know his sister's screwing some guy, even though he's six years old, maybe it's, like, you're, you know, you're, you're doing stuff to my sister and I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, who knows how he... I have to it. say, though, as much as I love this movie, I'm actually not crazy about the opening scene. I like oh, it. Yeah? Here's the thing. I really like it in concept. I don't really like it in execution because hmm. it's so obviously not a six-year-old who's doing the stabbing. Like... The perspective is so obviously um, not the perspective of a small child. And when you what? see, like, his arm moving... That is a little... Her. It is a little goofy. Like, they clearly... You know, because like, the whole first shot of the movie, uh, for those who haven't seen the movie in a while, it's all in one take. Like, it's a, it's one of the classic oneers where, uh, 
the camera's kind of gliding around at first. Michael My Michael Myers is outside the house and sees his sister and her man. Then he goes into the house and gets uh, a knife. And then the, the guy leaves and then he goes upstairs and stabs her. Yeah, the way that the way that the way that he stabs her, it is a little hokey because clearly, you know, you can have like somebody behind the camera trying to stab I somebody. I should say I only don't like the shot when he's actually stabbing. So I actually like the shot up until we get to the stabbing. It's damn suspenseful. So I like it when we're seeing the guy leave, when we're seeing him walk up the stairs. I really like it until we actually get to the stabbing. I think the stabbing just looks ridiculous. Um, I think it's because of the way the camera kind of moves to show the hand doing it. Like, it it doesn't have that same type of... Uh, it tries to do the opposite of what, like, the psycho shower scene did. I feel like. Like, instead of having, like, lots and lots of different shots going on and, like, disorienting you. Here's just one shot. And, I mean, I, I, I can look past it. Like, I can try to look behind Because, like, I, I actually think, like, when her body kind of falls to the floor, though, mm -hmm. that's a good, like, gory body. And it's the only gore, really, in the movie. Yeah, we should mention that this movie is actually, with the exception of the opening scene, pretty mm -hmm. bloodless. It's, it's the kind of movie that um is pretty tame for today like i'm not saying i don't think it would get pg-13 today if it was rated i mean there is some nudity and yeah. sex but it's almost it's the kind of thing like when i've seen the texas chainsaw massacre um which you hear that title and you watch the movie and there is not really that much gore and blood you you mm -hmm. almost are kind of imagining more what is going on as far as the violence in it. Yeah, if Halloween, the 1978 Halloween was released in 2018, it would get an R for the boobs, not for the violence. Yeah, I feel like uh, like parents watching would be all horrified by, you know, the PJ Soul sex scene. And the, the murders, they'd be like, eh, go ahead. Like, this is the kind of movie where, like, I kind of picture back in the day when concerned mothers would go and rent movies for you know like for the kids and be like uh you know like so is this uh, so this is our rating uh is it is there a lot of sex in it uh, there's a little bit and you know three people are killed i don't care about that <laughs> um jamie lee curtis is pretty damn good in the movie so good i i almost i feel like when i watched her when i was younger i thought she was a little one note maybe i thought she was a little whiny I don't know, like, because she spends, like, the last 10, 15 minutes of the movie basically, like, crying and sort of, like, freaking out. But as I've grown older, I I see why she's feeling that way. Are you weird? Well, I'm going to call Lori. I want to know where Paul and Annie are. This is going nowhere. Finally. Hello? Hello? All right, Annie. First I get your famous chewing, now I get your famous squealing. 
Any of you all right? Are you fooling around again? I'll kill you if this is a joke. Annie! Sorry, we had to pause there for a second. Anyway, she she's really terrific here. It almost reminds me a bit of uh, when you watch, like, Linda Hamilton in The Terminator. Yeah. You know, here's this person who's just, like, an average person, and she's dealing with a killing machine. Yeah. And... You know, you 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 kind of you, you can put yourself into her position, like when she winds up in that closet near the very end. Like that scene is just fantastic. It's so good, and I think they did a really great job of making her not too stupid to root for, but not also so much of like a cold action badass. That no, you can't really. Do. Well, well, she spends the full first half. Like, you know, the, there's one little thing I wanted to ask you, though, if there's a, I don't know if it's a slight inconsistency in a way, because it, it there's this thing in movies where you kind of set something up and then remind the audience and then pay it off later. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there, there are a couple of points or really like the first half hour or so, Laurie Strode, she looks out like her window at class She's at her, she's in her bedroom. She looks down, and Michael Myers is there. Actually, that scene he may or may not be there. Who knows? But, um, it's like she gets all these reminders. Some, there's some creepy stuff going on. But then she goes through this period in the movie where like the kids are like there. There's a boogeyman outside. She's like, shut up. There's nobody outside. Why wouldn't she believe them? I understand why she didn't believe them. I mean, they're small children. It's Halloween. They've been watching horror movies. Yes. Oh, I should believe that she... Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. I don't know if, like, because to me, also, I'm... It... <laughs> I'm also reminded of Nat with Laurie Strode. Like, they, the, the sort of impression that she's, you know, this virginal woman, too... You know, who knows about that? I mean, she could have lost her virginity. I'm also reminded of the joke in Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Where, like, sacrifice the virgin. Really? We work what we can get. With yeah. what we can get. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they never explicitly say, I don't think, do they, they never explicitly say, like, oh, she's a virgin. They just say that, like, she's shy, she doesn't, she can't ask a guy out. She needs to get with Ben Tramer, man. Yeah. <laughs> they say, like, she's shy. She doesn't go out much. She actually cares about school. Yeah. I mean, she is what you kind of would picture, like, the protagonist to be. I mean, if they made, like, if they made one of the girls... I mean, there are basically three types in the movie. There's Jamie Lee Curtis. There's PJ Souls, who's like, ooh, I want to just fuck my boyfriend. And then there's the other woman who, oh, I'm blanking on her name now, but uh, she she's like kind of the smart Alec, I guess. She's yeah. the one that gets stuck in the laundry room, and uh, you know yeah. the kids, the, the the girl won't come out because she's watching the thing, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny because it's like an in joke for a movie that hasn't been made yet, <laughs> where John Carpenter is has a character watching the thing four years before he makes the thing. 
Um, but no, what I was about to say was, if you had made one of the other girls, like, the hero, and then Jamie Lee Curtis gets killed off, that wouldn't have worked probably as well. Because then you would have had to build up, like, the other character. Um, and, uh, yeah, also, Donald Pleasance is fun. Uh, he's kind of funnier in the sequel. When I was a kid, I think I, one of the reasons I liked Halloween 2 so much was because of Donald Pleasance. Uh-huh. He had, like, in the in the movie, it's like the, the movie opens with the end of the first movie. And they have the credits, and then you hear Donald Pleasance on, like, a street trying to stop a cop. And he's like, <laughs> I shot him six times! I shot him six times! I shot him in the heart! <laughs> and it's like, okay... We're no longer in a realistic world. We're into, like, monster movie territory. The second movie is actually kind of fun if you ever rewatch it. it all I takes... really want to rewatch the second movie. Yeah, it takes Maybe place... Maybe I'll do it as soon as we're done recording this. There you go. It, well, it all takes... It's it's basically the same night. Like, it just falls... Yeah, they're in the hospital. Yeah, she goes into a hospital. The The murder in that that really sticks out is that uh, Michael Myers... Uh, like, there's a couple that's making out and, like... I almost want to call it like a hot tub, but it was almost more like, like one of those medical yeah. hot you know things, and he kill and he kills like a woman by like, basically holding like her under in like yeah this super hot water that gets extra hot and higher than it's supposed to be. That was the thing that stuck out to me. Um, yeah, I mean there aren't necessarily like you'll watch the original Halloween because like oh there are you know, kills you've never seen before, you know, it's pretty tame in that sense. You're, in a way, you're watching stuff that's kind of like, I almost want to say like repackaged Hitchcock (laughs) or something. It's just classic suspense. Like, in the commentary, actually, they brought up that um, when PJ Souls is getting choked on the phone, they kind of mentioned Dial M for Murder. (laughs) There's a scene in that. Um... I also just like that one scene where Jamie Lee Curtis walks from the house that she's at across the street. That feels like the type of thing that maybe you would just see in, like, It Follows. Yeah. I feel like It Follows had to have borrowed a lot from Halloween. Yeah, and... (laughs) In a good way. What's interesting, too, is it's hard for me to describe the tone of Halloween, because in some ways, it actually feels pretty low-key. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it takes its time so much. Like, I don't know, maybe it would maybe it would have benefited if we'd seen it with like a full audience but in I a think theater. That adds to the creepiness because it gives it a sense of realism. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a bit, for example, where like the kid looks across the street and it's a great little moment because the kid is like hiding behind a curtain and he's gonna scare like the little girl he's with. But then he's looking outside and Michael Myers is carrying a woman he just killed into the house. Yeah. And that feels like and in the there's no there's none of the John Carpenter music. You're just hearing the the the, the sound from the TV. And you feel like you're watching a scene from an old 50s horror movie, but in a realistic setting. Yeah, the realism is good. Um Here's an here's a here's a quick question, and this is maybe nitpicking. Did do you notice when you watch the movie that it's not shot in the fall? I actually didn't until we watched the commentary, and Jamie Lee Curtis mentioned it. So Jamie Lee Curtis does some of the commentary. 
and yeah and they like they cut to a shot where there are lots of leaves in the trees and she's like look there that's not fall yeah she said that they blew around like brown dead leaves and there are brown dead leaves on the ground yeah but then when you walk the actual trees are all green and leafy so they brought in dead leaves yeah and they tried to kind of shoot around she said like the fact that they were in apparently Pasadena, California, like they weren't in Illinois or anything. And, uh, um, and I, you know, it's, it's funny because like I said, when I was a kid watching it and when I watch it now, that doesn't really occur to me. I'm not really looking to spot like, Oh, there are trees there. This movie's bullshit. <laughs> like I just kind of believe, you know, they're in fall clothes and you know, they, they, um, it's funny, you would almost expect, like, I feel like they would they, they maybe should have showed more people, like, trick-or-treating. Which, we can talk about, like, that's a small nitpick in the new one I want, I'll talk about. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, just to wrap it up, um... One question I have for you. Sure. As much... I like this movie, as you know, a great deal. Yeah. I'm wondering, though, if in some ways it wasn't a lot easier to make a movie like this... Before there were a thousand movies like this. Hmm. I kind of what, feel... What do you mean, though? I kind of feel like the John Carpenter of 2018 would have a much harder time making a movie like Halloween and have it be as good as it is and as successful as it was because the audience has become so jaded by now. They, they've become a little jaded. they become a little more, like, I guess you could say the word sophisticated, maybe. Like, and it's difficult because this is the sort of, like, the first... I, I'm not going to say it's the first one because, like I said, he's borrowing a lot from Hitchcock. That's something else I want to bring up briefly, too, is that as much as I want to get down on the new movie... Which, and there are things about the new movie I'm going to criticize about, but the referencing, I feel like, shouldn't be necessarily bad in and of itself because John Carpenter is doing lots of references, and he even admits to that, and hit there, you know, again, Hitchcock. I didn't realize this till I watched the movie again that there's the sheriff is named Lee Brackett. <laughs> <laughs> who is a screenwriter who used to write for Howard Hawks and he she she was credited on Empire Strikes Back before she died and uh that's funny the, the, the male named Lee um and then of course you know they're watching the movies on the TV so it's like the movie has its share of references it's just that that move this movie packaged it in such a way that it's hard to talk about what's come after as far as if John Carpenter in 2018 tried to... But what you're saying is if he tried to do something really simple and basic, yeah. he, he wouldn't get the same audience. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because mm. I feel like Halloween really holds up. Like, when I watched yeah. it last night in 2018, yeah. as someone who has seen many, many, many horror movies, mm -hmm. I, thought it, I thought it held up. I thought, like, this is a really nice piece of work. But it was almost hard for me to pinpoint what's so good about it because it's so basic well well it's it's also it, it comes from in a way kind of a more innocent time it, it's almost like how you couldn't make night of the living dead the same way today yeah. or, or or at least you couldn't make it and have people watch it in the in, in the same way and 
it, it's almost like that similar thing. Uh, Blair Witch Project just popped in my head too, yeah. where after the many years of fucking terrible uh, uh, found footage movies, a movie like Blair Witch Project would almost seem quaint. Yeah. And so, but even, but quaint isn't the same thing what Halloween is doing. It's just that there's a, there's a kind of boldness in the simplicity, if that makes sense. There's almost, there's almost, it's, it's almost like when you listen to, uh, like an early Bob Dylan song or something and those songs really hold up well because they're so basic. Well, it takes a lot of confidence to, to say this will be enough to please an audience. Yes, this will be enough. You and don't it is need enough. you don't need more blood. Like and it, what's ironic actually with John Carpenter, a couple years after he made Halloween, his uh, follow-up was The Fog. And that was in like he shot that originally to be like kind of like Halloween. In fact, he almost wanted it to be a PG movie and it was this you know movie where a fog rolls into a town and then these monsters are you know, come in, and the producer has actually told him, no, you gotta go back, you gotta shoot some more violence. And in, like, the two years between when Carpenter released Halloween and when he was making The Fog, movies, there was so, there was already this, like, engine of exploitation schlock that was aping Halloween and being, like, slasher, you know, world and having lots of blood and super gore and so carpenter had to go back and reshoot like sections of the movie to satisfy the producers like you know tell you know knowing oh the audiences want more blood yeah so um yeah yeah exactly what you said there's a real confidence that like this movie's so confident yeah. like again even though even if there are a couple of things that don't work entirely well like the the stabbing in the beginning or um, you know, like, or, or a couple little bits here and there. Uh, yeah, the fact that it holds up so remarkably and uh, that, and you, you buy into the logic that the movie's selling you to. Yeah. So it's really good. And you're, I think the simplicity and the timelessness of it allows you to really place yourself in Jamie Lee Curtis's shoes. Yes. And really live vicariously through her. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, well, vicariously, so to speak. Yeah, well... I know, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You know, the, uh, it's int- one thing that the commentary brought up before I wrap this up, that it's an interesting point. And, but again, this is Deborah Hill bringing this up. Like, I actually didn't... I'd never thought of this until she mentioned it. Uh, so she, you know, stabs Michael Myers and he falls down outside of the closet. She tells the two kids, all right, go down the street. I want you to go to the whoever house. Mackenzie. Mackenzie. Wow. Good call. Mackenzie house. And you need to call the police. Go. Why doesn't she just leave with the kids? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know she, she fell downstairs and is, you know, she could barely walk, but you know, like. Get the fuck out of the house, woman. Yeah. I know, they had to have that last bit. Like, that's something where I never thought about it. It always made sort of sense that she didn't leave. But it is a good question, like, why, why she doesn't. Yeah, especially because she's already had an experience where she thinks she's killed him, and she was wrong. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, the whole reason she goes back is, you know, I'm super babysitter. I'm going to take care of these kids. But, you know, the kids are now safe, supposedly. They can leave and, you know, just lock the door behind you so that he doesn't leave. Of course, literally every single time I watch a horror movie in the year since I saw the movie Zombieland, I always think to myself, double tap. Well, every single movie. Well, again, well, again, Loomis shoots him six times. Um, but oh, by not the way, in the head. Oh, by the way, that's not another reference. Uh, oh, just a little piece of trivia. Loomis, Dr. Loomis is named after Sam Loomis in Psycho. But there's also an actress in this movie. And now I'm forgetting her first name. I think she plays the smart Alec who gets choked in the car. Is it Nancy? Nancy Loomis. That's so weird, isn't it? The first Final Destination movie did that, too, where it named characters, like, Val Luton. Oh, God, really? I don't remember that. Well, (laughs) you didn't re-watch all five Final Destination movies over the summer like I did, because you're not as cool as I am. (laughs) Have you met Professor Cornell Woolrich? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's um, get to the new one. Yeah, 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 so... His home. I need to protect my family. You have no security system, Karen. Mom, you need help. Evil is real. Let's jump ahead 40 years. Let's get to Halloween H40. <laughs> These producers were too fucking chicken shit to call it H40. <laughs> hey, what? Were you going to call... Halloween H2O, just Halloween. No, you went for the chemical, man. You went for the periodic table. (laughs) It's only a shame that LL Cool J didn't sing like an Halloween rap like he sang for Deep Blue Sea. All right. So with this new one, here's here's the thing. Um, uh, And this especially will be spoilery, so you might want to go see the movie before. Yeah, again, this... Is going to be spoiler. Yeah, so this is a new one. So to be fair, I think it's hard to talk about a lot of the stuff in this movie without doing the spoiler warning. Uh, so just up front, go see the movie if you don't want to be spoiled. If not, whatever. Um, so I think we both left the movie with a similar expression where we were both like, eh, it's all right. <laughs> I, yeah, because I, I left the movie... I had positive feelings leaving this movie, but I also had just, I had also a feeling of, do you ever ever have a movie where you feel like the director, the filmmakers are trying to impose like, this is how you should feel now. This is how you should feel about our movie. Yeah. That's how I kind of felt watching this. Um, Especially, and I feel like it especially, the movie got off to a pretty rocky start too. Oh, God. All right, so, yeah, like, the whole opening of this movie and how they try to, 
I guess, bring in the audience into the new, you know, our follow-up to Halloween 1978. That's the other thing you got to know about this, too. They decided to just throw out all the other Halloween movies, including Halloween 2, because there's a little bit of uh, connective tissue, which, well, they make a joke about that. It's fine. This movie opens where the conceit is, we're doing a true crime podcast, and we're going into the uh, mental institution to ask Michael Myers what's up. And I, even, this was in the trailer, right? Yeah. You remember this from the trailer? And already when I saw this in the trailer, I thought, this is kind of goofy. Like, it's so goofy. It's so goofy because it's like these two true crime reporters, first of all, the fact that, you know, Michael Myers, you know, again, he killed five people. And I'm trying to buy into the realism of, of your world because, again, if you're making a sequel to the first movie, which tried to be damn realistic as possible. Yeah, it was pretty grounded. It was, but this movie begins and. It's like you have like this uh, outside pen for all these mental inst- mental freaks, and they have Michael Myers standing in this square that where he's like cordoned off by like orange. Wait, it's like a giant checkerboard with yeah. like red and white checks, mm-hmm. and there are mental patients standing like in various corners of the board. And, and 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 so you have like this guy and and woman who I don't even remember these actors. But names. every mental patient is chained to a particular location on this checkerboard set, which is so obviously a movie set as opposed to something that actually tries to look like a real mental institution. Yeah, this didn't feel like a mental institution. This felt just like like again movie mental institution. I mean, nothing in that original in the original Halloween felt very movie like with that. But here, you know, podcast guy has out his recorder and then pulls out the mask, and then all the other mental patients start freaking out and barking and screaming. I guess because and- Michael Myers is emitting like evil energy. <laughs> It was what? such a bad scene. It was such a bad way to open your movie. Like, it, 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 it's it, 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 it almost felt as silly as anything in Halloween Six. Which I don't know if you ever saw which that. One is that. The Curse of Michael Myers. No, I definitely. That's have. the one where I got I take I got to take a quick side trip into the Halloween uh, lore here. Okay, so Halloween Two happens. Halloween Three, we're not going to talk about that because that's. Not even a real... We saw that years ago, but I have no memory of it. uh, Here's where I might lose some podcast fans. I'm not the biggest fan of Halloween 3. I thought it was okay. Wait, I thought nobody liked Halloween 3. No, Halloween 3... No, Halloween 3 has a huge cult audience. Like, nobody liked it when it first came out. But now, no, people love Halloween 3. I have no memory of it. A lot of people, like, for them, like, they sometimes like Halloween 3... Oh, you don't remember that? Happy, happy Halloween. Halloween no, I don't remember so... it. We watched it a long time really? ago together. That's the one where, like, the guy it involves, like, Stonehenge or something. And, like, these kids watch, like, there's a TV commercial. And it makes all the kids who watch them, like, 
they they go out and buy like Halloween costumes or or a mask and like bugs eat their brains or something yeah, like I don't that. This. And it's I, I could see what they were going for with that, but it's it's not it's not even a Michael Myers movie. They they tried to do like an anthology yeah. thing and it didn't work. Okay. Halloween four and five it's, Which I've never seen. Yeah, in those movies it's Laurie Strode's daughter, I think. And in those movies, Laurie Strode might is either dead or just she's not in four and five. Then number six, it's and again remember in the in the other in the reg in before this movie came out, Laurie Strode is Michael Myers' sister. So her which movie do they introduce that in? In the second movie. Oh, I don't. Mm. In in Halloween two from nineteen eighty one, um, but anyway. So in four and five, that movie follows when Michael Myers comes back and he's going after. Uh, those are the return and revenge of Michael Myers. That's the daughter of Laurie Strode. In part six, at the beginning of that, Laurie Strode's daughter gives birth to a kid. So in Curse of, the, of Michael Myers, <laughs> Michael Myers is going after his great nephew. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one with. That's also the one with Paul Rudd. Um, I feel bad I've never seen this. Oh, it's glorious. It's also the final... Donald Pleasance is there, and he looks so old and so, like, I don't want to be there. As soon as we're done recording this, I'm just going to watch Halloween movies for the rest of the night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and Halloween 6, too, that has its own history, because there were, like, two cuts of that, and, like, it's, it's a mess. Anyway, Halloween 2018, though. All right, so in this world, um, like I said, it starts off, and it... Why do we need this podcast framing device? It... it These two fucking podcasters who go to first to this mental institution, and I guess what they were trying to do was to riff off of, like, Serial well, or something. Well, true crime podcasts are very trendy and very popular. Yeah, but, like, do these... But do these true crime podcasters, like, do they go into, like, mental institutions and, like, I know, it's it's a movie. I I gotta, you know, have fun with the lore, but it's just, even for a mental institution thing, and the fact that it's exactly 40 years and now he's being moved, and I know you gotta get the plot moving, but it's just, they do a lot to try, you could have just started the movie with Michael Myers being moved on the bus. Yeah. Like, that's how you start the movie. The podcaster people, and it's actually ironic, because I feel like when the podcasters get killed, and that's uh, that you actually see a little bit of that in the trailer, I felt like that sequence actually was the closest to being, like, a pretty scary scene. Yeah, they were good kills. Yeah, because they're, like, Michael... Like, they stop for gas, and, like, and that's how they... It's a good way also that he reintroduced Michael Myers. Again, goes though, into it's one of outfit. those totally cliched gas stations like from Cabin in the Woods. Uh, well, no, but but they don't show the guy who works there, though, do they? Yes, they do, because Michael Myers kills the people who work there. No, but I'm saying, though, that he did, but we didn't see them before they died. So we don't, they could have just been regular guys. They're not like... You know, I'm going down that there. <laughs> you know, which, well, that's another trope, like in Friday the 13th, you know. She's going to death kiss. <laughs> um, but anyway. Yeah, they were good kills, though. Yeah, so. no, they were good kills. So, 
you know, oh, that's also how we're introduced to Laurie Strode, who, um, so, you know, again, we're flashing it 40 years later. You know, at the end of the first Halloween, you know, here's this girl who's seen three of her friends die. She's been pursued by Michael Myers for 10 minutes. And somehow this has transformed her into being like a mega survivalist type. Yeah. Who has, uh, in the course of the movie, she has a daughter played by Judy Greer. And then her granddaughter, uh, who... I quite like in the movie, actually, and she Don't think too much about how the age really doesn't work out at all. I guess it could work if, like, Lori had Judy Greer, like, when she was, like, 19 or 20, and, this, uh, and the granddaughter is Allison, if she was born when Judy Greer was 20. I guess if you work it out that way, it could work but you know jamie curse is 58 and she's a grandmother in this movie and of a teenage girl yeah that's almost like i thought she was like a middle class woman like she thought it feels more like like trash stuff um anyway so obviously this creates a conflict because uh laurie has basically driven her family out of her life really um, she still talks with Judy Greer and her granddaughter, uh, Allison, played by Andy Matichek. That's that's her name. Um, but it's the way I equated it to you. It was like the kind of opposite of what they did with Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi, where, mm-hmm. you know, in that movie, which I know this might be a controversial opinion. Last Jedi is pretty awesome in that movie you had a very conflicted and kind of defeated Luke Skywalker who has kind of learned over time that not everything that he thought of as being heroic and true and, you know, about the whole order that he was in, you know, everything about that was full of lies and myth and everything. And this Laurie Strode is like, no, I need to create, like, a mega fortress in the woods where I have a panic room and guns everywhere. And, of course, the goal is not just, you know, I'm not just being freaking out. I want to kill Michael Myers when he gets out, which... An understandable goal. I guess, yeah, an understandable goal. Um, She, well, I will say in this movie, I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis sells that, like... She's given this character, and she does the absolute best she can. And it's so weird, because there have now been three different Laurie Strodes, really. Did you ever see... You, you, do you remember Halloween H2O? I saw it, but... You I saw it the once. Yeah, I don't really remember it. And I also saw... Which is the one with Buster Rhymes? <laughs> uh, that was Resurrection, which... She dies in that movie. Which is why, if you're... Not knowing that this doesn't follow continuity, you're going to be a little confused. So, if we look at the Halloween movies I've seen, I've seen one, two, three, H2O, which is seven, yeah, and Resurrection. However, the only movie like I really have a clear memory of is the first one, and I remember. You don't remember Buster Rhymes saying "trick or treat, motherfucker," as he like gets into like a fist fight with Michael Myers. I... You don't remember. <laughs> you don't remember Buster Rhymes busting a move. 
So I don't remember Halloween H2O, but way back when we were at William Patterson, uh-huh. I went to a dorm movie night where they played Halloween H2O and Halloween Resurrection. Oh, God, why? Who are, who are those people? <laughs> like, why are you torturing yourself like that? So I will say what's funny in H2O, the ending of that movie is pretty amazing. And I, I'd kind of forgotten it, but I watched a video review, so it refreshed my memory. Like, it's funny because the fact that at the end of that movie, Laurie Strode cuts off Michael Myers' head. And he's somehow fine in Resurrection. <laughs> um, but anyway, so in this new movie, again, now she... It, this is her at 40. Uh, this is, like, it, her in her 50s. And... See, I th- that's why I think I had a problem getting into this movie because they were just... There's so much that has happened in 40 years that they cram really quickly. Yeah. As far as, you know, you had two failed marriages. You had uh, a daughter who's estranged. And also, you, you kind of mentally tortured your daughter because social services had to come and take her away when she was 12 and blah, 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 Yeah, blah. so she lost custody of her child because she was training her daughter to be a survivalist. I think the point I'm trying to make is that not so much in the filmmaking, because I can get to that, and I'll, I'll give some praise there, but this movie doesn't have the simplicity of that original at all. No, and... In, in multiple ways, but especially with how, you know, not unlike some of the other Halloween sequels, which this movie's trying not to acknowledge technically in canon, it's just trying to give you so much. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, no, you're about to say something I, else. For me, I told you I was going to struggle to find things to say about this movie. Because as I was watching it, my attitude was very consistently like, this is all right. Well, I'm making kind of a shrugging motion, which the podcasters yeah. can't say. Well, I feel like the movie... Here's something I'll say about this, though. I think David Gordon Green and, of all people, Danny McBride, I think, wrote this too. Um, they try to do some work as far as giving us some characters to kind of like in moment to moment. Because, uh, again, the, the girl Allison, she has her teenage friends. Yeah. Um, and they're all types that we've seen in, you know, countless movies. I wonder if maybe David Gordon Green thought it was almost just novel enough to give us these types. Well, I think for me, the reason why, I guess I kind of liked it, but it didn't knock my socks off or anything, is that I knew every step this movie was going to take three st- three scenes before it took There me. were, well, there was one step I did not see coming. And not in a good way. Like, there was one twist. Oh, the movie I know what you're talking about. Oh, well, oh, God. Let's okay. just get to it. Okay. Oh, should we? All right. Well, so anyway, there's the new Loomis in the and movie, which Jamie Lee, Kurt- Lee Curtis literally says, you're the new Loomis. Which I, I found yeah. that kind of funny. This movie, by the way, I feel like it tried to be a little bit of a comedy through at times. I liked some of the banter. Some of it was good. You know, I actually thought Jamie Lee Curtis, when she had to do a couple of comedic things, she did that pretty well. Like, she has really good comic timing. 
there were times where I wondered, like, for example, like, the cops are in the car and mm-hmm. they're talking about, like, sandwiches or something. Yeah. That wasn't so funny. It felt like, oh, so the, now Danny McBride is going to kind of force his comedic style on Do me. Do you know what character? And, it, and if you did, and if that works for you, fine, but for me, no. You know what character I thought was totally WTF and that he was trying to be funny and it just didn't work at all? Was it that cop with the hat? No, it was Judy Greer's husband in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, they either should have made him just... They either should have found, like, an actor who could have maybe sold those lines better or just made him, like, the, you know, husband that... They could have done a better job with that character in general. the actor... Was the actor much older than Judy Greer? Because that's what it looked like to me. No, I think he just seemed a little more weathered. I think his name, I think it's Toby Huss, maybe? He looked much older, and he had this kind of raspy voice or something. Yeah. So, he seemed almost like he would play, like, her much older brother or something. Mm. And Well, Judy Greer's starting to look a little bit older, too. It's true, but I don't know. Which is why it's a little weird that she's playing her daughter, which I guess I can buy it, but if you told me, like, Jamie Curtis and Judy Greer were, like, sisters, that could have worked for me, too. But I know we're getting off track. I want to talk about, yeah, new Loomis, whose name is Dr. Sartain or something, and I was a little confused at first because I thought he was played by this character actor, you probably you don't know this name, but I'm gonna just say it. There's this actor named Rage Sherbegia. Yeah, I don't know who that is, but tell the people, enlighten them. Rage Sherbe- Rage Sherbegia is His one of these. His name is Rage. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying it right. Uh, is it spelled like R A G? No, it's spelled like R A D. It's I'm gonna show you the spelling now. It's R A D E. Oh. S-E-R-B-E-D-Z-I-J-A. I thought his um, name was Ray. Yeah, he, he pops up, actually, if you've seen Eyes Wide Shut, he's the guy who uh, gives Tom Cruise the the mask and the coat and stuff, and he has, and he's like, he has a weird, like, sex thing with Lily Sobieski or something. Um, he pops up, in, again, a lot of stuff, like Mission Impossible 2, Snatch, and... Uh, X-Men First Class, I guess he's in that. Batman Begins. He's one of these character actors. My point is, I thought that was him. And then when I realized, oh no, it's not him. I was like, they got they got discount Raid Serbechia? <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, so this guy, he goes to the movie and you think like, oh, okay, so he's new Loomis. He's, you know, he's been his doctor for all these years. And he was also a Loomis apprentice and... He's, you know, he wants to, he's tracking Michael, even though he gets shot in a scene, by the way. Yeah. That was, that was pretty fucking what the hell. Um, so he kind of follows along with uh, Officer Will Patton, and uh, as they're trying to find Michael Myers, he uh, tracks him down with the granddaughter in, in tow, and he then does it. The twist is, no, I really want to see what Michael Myers is going to do. He's become a Michael Myers fanboy. Yeah, he's become a Michael Myers acolyte in a way. It's one of those twists that it, it really dumbed this movie down for me. Like, that was, like... I was trying to get back into the movie after that 
weird opening with the thing. And I was starting to do it. Like, there are a lot of set pieces in this movie that really actually do kind of work unto themselves, where I feel like the director was trying to, in his way, I guess, ape the style of the original at times. And even if it wasn't scary, I could still watch it and be like, oh, that was a cool shot. Oh, that was a cool scene. Uh, I kind of like that kill. But then, yeah, this guy, and he has a weird name too, this guy, Haluk Biljiner. Look at this. Yeah. He looks like a Haluk. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's a whole story turn that they bring up, and, and it doesn't go anywhere. So what, yeah, there's the scene where the sheriff or whoever. Yeah, yeah, sheriff. The doctor and Alice and the granddaughter are driving in a police car to deliver the granddaughter safely to the compound yes. of Laurie Strode. Yes. And they see Michael Myers in the street and the sheriff decides to run him over. And he's knocked out. He's unconscious because he's been run over. And then the sheriff says, I'm going to kill him now. And the doctor's like, no, you can't. And the sheriff's like, yes, I can. And then the doctor kills the sheriff to save Michael Myers and then delivers a deranged monologue. He does, Yeah, he does a villain monologue <laughs> to the granddaughter, you know, putting this psychopathic killer in the back seat with... Uh, oh, and he also, by the way... Oh, and he puts on... The doctor puts on the Michael Myers yeah. mask... Which, I don't know, do you think that they thought that would be, like, a clever gotcha or something? Well, my attitude is, if you're gonna make, if you're gonna have a plot twist like that, the entire movie has to be gonzo. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like, like it they... needs to be more like Curse of Michael Myers, where, I'm not, again, I have to take a little detour here, that's not just... It's not just that Michael Myers is going after his great nephew. It's also that there's this entire cult oh that has God, made... Oh, my God, I have to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, there's an entire shadowy cult that has kind of controlled Michael Myers for all these years. It's called, like, the Thorn Cult. Oh, oh man. <laughs> as soon as we stop recording, I'm watching this movie. I love that you want to go from... The best Halloween to movie to the worst <laughs> Halloween movie. But yeah, like, the, the, this comes up, and guess what? If you're listening and have seen the movie, you know this. Michael Myers kills the doctor Almost by just... immediately. Yeah, by kicking him into, like, the steering wheel. And it's, it's, it's just ridiculous that they threw this in there. Basically, I, I guess, story-wise, it was so that... The doctor could drive him to, could get Michael Myers to Laurie Strode's compound faster. Is that like the logic there? Because I, maybe Michael Myers would be walking a little bit longer <laughs> to get the scent of Laurie Strode. <laughs> like, clearly Laurie Strode has some type of beacon that attracts <laughs> Michael Myers because um, I mean, stuff. I enjoy really ridiculous movies at times. Yeah. So if the movie had had like five ridiculous plot twists like that, it yeah. would have been fun because you would have been like, okay, I'm taking a trip to Bizarro World now. Or not, I'm going or not even that. If the movie had really... it, This movie has like... The reason why I think I'm uneasy about this is because 
it's kind of straddling a line and i talked about this when we left too that's a little bit like a fan film in a way it is very where, fan film where it's like at times they're doing it seriously you know because michael myers he's not you know he's not a joke in this movie he's presented as the shape uh and in fact he, by the way a little piece of trivia the actor who played him in the original movie played him in this one really yeah i don't think he was in it for like the stunts but when he's just like walking around that's apparently the same guy wow which is kind of neat um but there's also this kind of thing where not quite to the level of scream or something but it feels self-aware and it doesn't quite work because you know it Either you should really be going for something that's good and serious or, you know, get, you know, take out like the wisecracking, you know, kid uh, that you're babysitting that is just kind of like, I guess some people in the audience were laughing, but it, it it's, the, yeah, I know what you it, mean. it's almost like it, we live in a world where, again, we have the, we have the movie Scream. Which by the way. Scream came out over 20 years ago. In case you want to feel old. Well, but the reason I bring that yeah. up is that Scream was already kind of like the, like before Cabin in the Woods even, it was like the, like the Ready Player One of slasher movies. <laughs> you know, you even had a scene that, you even had scenes in that movie where characters are sitting around watching Halloween. And obviously, but then you have this movie, Halloween 2018, which, you know, you it's supposed to be a world where slasher movies don't exist, but I still feel like a number of the characters are kind of aware of these movies, even if they don't say it. Yeah, so it's kind of in this middle zone where it doesn't work as, like, a real drama, or it doesn't have the same kind of basic creep factor that the original Halloween does, but it doesn't work as, like, a ridiculous, fun movie either, because it's not crazy enough. There, again, there are suspenseful sequences, like, you know, um, the, for example, the, when, when, I guess, sort of meant kind of aping a, the, the, the phone call bit in the original, uh, the granddaughter is walking home with, uh, uh, you know, plutonic friend. <laughs> and, uh, and Plutonic Friend thinks it's his time to shine and tries to go in for the kiss. And uh, I almost fall a little bad for him because, uh, you know, I can relate. But um, he, you know, then is kind of cornered in a very, this tense scene where the lights are kind of going on and off. Yeah. And then suddenly Michael Myers appears and, you know, he's calling out for help. And, Alyssa, and, and uh, Alyssa's like, oh, come on, stop playing with me. And that worked well. It's like he, these, it's like these filmmakers, they, clearly they understand Halloween better than Rob Zombie did. <laughs> That's a whole other discussion. But they're trying too many things. Does that make sense? You know, I, I liked pretty much all the kills. And no, 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 no. I do like yeah. the kills. Like I said, the set pieces here, like there's that bit where Michael Myers is, appears back in the Haddonfield suburbia and there's this tracking shot that follows him where he picks up a hammer and then goes into a house and then he goes into another house 
And I thought that was great. Yeah, it was really good. Like, that was where, oh, oh, okay, here's where I could see, I could feel, like, I could feel David Gordon Green's dick energy <laughs> as a filmmaker. <laughs> you know, he's really good, you know, getting on for this. Um, and even, and I mean, even parts of the climax, when finally, you know, the, the showdown happens, there are parts of that that felt pretty, fairly suspenseful. Um, but yeah, as you said, though, it's, it's a, it's an efficiently made movie yeah. in most respects. Um, and I guess if you are pretty new to slashers, you'll probably be more forgiving of it. But yeah, as you said earlier, there aren't many surprises to the movie. No, I kind of, I wanted a movie that was less safe, I guess. I feel like... If you're going to have the balls to say, I'm eliminating 40 years of continuity and I'm eliminating like seven, uh, the continuity of like seven other films. Yeah. And I'm starting again. I wanted something a little ballsier. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it tries to give you that in a way what I guess with Laurie Strode, but it's not enough. It, it feels like the kind of thing you're expecting where it's funny because the doctor even says it, I think, when he's in the car at one point. Either you become really fearful or you become, like, a badass. Yeah. But it it also creates a dramatic problem, too, because, like I said, with Laurie Strode, even though Jamie Lee Curtis is fine in the movie, she... there There's just an inconsistency with that whole setup where the daughter still has a relationship with her, but she's also been abused by her for all these years, too. Like, why would she have a connection with her? Wouldn't it be almost more suspenseful if Laurie Strode was off on her own and the daughter and the granddaughter didn't have contact, but then Michael Myers returns and then they have to actually, like, come back together? Like, it almost felt like the kind of thing where Laurie Strode as grandma was, oh, wacky grandma... You kind of tortured me mentally for years. Well, again, the movie is kind of um, unspecific about that. Because on the one hand, we're told it was bad enough that social services was called and she was removed from her mother's custody. Yeah. So that makes you think it must be pretty bad. But the only thing the movie specifically says is... My mother started me with survivalist training at a very young age and taught me how to shoot a gun when I was eight and told me how to um, fight when I was 10 and told me um, I have to be prepared because eventually Michael Myers will come for me. You know, it occurs to me when I mentioned fan film, it suddenly just hit me. In a way, this is kind of elevating, again, Halloween, very simple pretty basic story. Laurie Strode's kind of like a superhero in this. And it's, but they try to pack in so much. It almost feels like I mentioned also when we were driving home, I thought of like when you have the older Batman in the comics or something. And it's like, I'm back on retirement. I'm (laughs) doing that Frank Miller pose. Batman. The dark Laurie Strode returns, and that's fine, but it's a lot to pack into one movie. It's just so much to pack into one movie. 
Like, if maybe they had taken some time, I don't know, maybe if they had done it like as a limited series or something and built up to it. Yeah, because I feel like there, you're right where there's not enough time to really do justice to a dysfunctional family dynamic that's been going on off screen mm -hmm. for decades. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what I mean by feeling like too much. There's, you have dysfunctional family story, you have podcast story, you have teenage slasher story, and then, you know, crazy doctor story. But I also, I feel like the things that you were saying are right but I also feel weird calling this movie over ambitious. No, no, another no. part of me feels like I he's want going down. Stuff. He's going down a checklist and checking like, okay, mm. these are the beats we have to hit. There is that. There is that. Um, no, I admire ambition, and it's funny talking about David Gordon Green. Just to talk about him for a second. You recently watched a David Gordon Green movie, and you probably didn't even know it. Well, no, it was that movie, All the Real Girls. Okay, I yeah. I made that. Like, yeah, you watched that, and then you watched this. Very eclectic career. Oh, oh, I love David Gordon Green. You know, this guy, you know, Pineapple Express, you know, that's uh, a favorite comedy of mine. Uh movie Stronger it came out last year. Um... Yeah, Snow Angels. Yeah. Man, that, and that guy knows how to direct drama. Watch that movie Snow Angels, and that movie's So amazing. good. So, in, you know, and I think he's good with actors generally, too. Except for that doctor guy. God, what was he doing? Um, but, yeah. So, ultimately, at the end of this, be, it, it, again, because it's supposed to be a new continuity, I know, I, I think the term is soft reboot. I kind of hate that. It sounds like you're, like, trying to pet your computer while <laughs> it's having a meltdown. Um, <laughs> soft reboot. Soft reboot. Pet. Come on. Come on. <laughs> anyway. But, <laughs> but compared to a lot of the other Halloween sequels, this is certainly the best one since the second one. It might even be, in some ways, better than the second one. But that's also not saying much, given what the series has been. And taken on its own, I would say... Well, here, here's what I would ask you. Would you recommend this to people? I would give it... If you like... If you're predisposed to like slasher movies, I would give it like a mildly positive review. I feel exactly the same way. I would say, if you do want to just go and get scared, you know... Again, a few sequences work. It could it could have it could have been a little scarier in some places, um, but I do want it, to encourage people to see a horror movie that's not watered down PG thirteen bloodless crap. Oh, you mean like Hell Hellfest? <laughs> yeah, which oh god. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, um, Hellfest is actually the rare movie that we kind of diverge on. Because I liked Hellfest, and you didn't. Yeah, I mean, that's another uh, discussion for another day. But, but, but that, well, no, I, th I thought of that because that's another slasher movie that happened to come out in the past few weeks. And is so. now, now everybody's going to forget about that. And rightfully so. This is, Halloween's better than Hellfest. Eh, 
I really? don't know, actually. I think I might have liked Hellfest better than this movie. Blasphemy. <laughs> well, I'm, I, I, I like Hellfest. And actually, I just, you know what it is? As mixed as I am on Halloween, at least it has ambition. Hellfest <laughs> feels like something that's been reheated from the 90s. <laughs> like that you would see on a double bill with Urban Legends Final Cut. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I said, we'll kind of split on this, because I would tell the people, go see Hellfest. It's, actually, it's probably already out of theaters, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Halloween pushed out. Yeah, I feel bad that Hellfest kind of bombed, especially because the last scene in Hellfest was very obviously setting up for a sequel, which is never going to happen now, I eh, imagine. Well, you don't know what happens with streaming and direct-to-video and stuff. There could be sequels. So, if somehow, like, anyone with a position of power in the film industry is listening to this, which I'm sure they are, right? The people cry out for a Hellfest sequel. Or at least this person does. Jack doesn't care. Jack doesn't want one. I, I saw Hellfest. But it was what it was. I probably say this on the podcast all the time because I say it in real life all the time. I can't stand how, like, every horror movie in 2018 is PG-13 garbage. No, and and you can give it this. This movie's R, and it earns its R. Yeah, it's not some crap like The Nun. Oh, God. Which... I had none of that. I... (laughs) Did we record an episode about The Nun, or no? No, maybe someday we can talk more about that. The Nun was an absolutely awful film, and I resent how incredibly successful it was. But anyway... I'm really glad that I did my part to support a movie that's an actual R in terms of the violence. Yeah, yeah. Again, it as much as I might want to try to say, oh, you're not really getting what the original Halloween did, I also have to acknowledge we're 40 years out from that first Halloween, so what audiences want will probably... Is- definitely gotta be a little bit bigger and bloodier than what that movie did. Well, that's what I was saying when we were talking about the original Halloween. In fairness to the new movie, I think it's harder to impress an audience that's had 40 years to consume literally thousands of horror movies. Yeah, so as far as having a fan film, it's definitely the best fan film of Halloween you'll ever get. And there (laughs) (laughs) there are many, many direct visual references to the first Halloween. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And if you're a really huge Halloween nut, again, I like Halloween a whole lot. It's one of my favorite Carpenter movies. But I'm not, like, obsessed with it. If you are obsessed with Halloween, you'll have a good time with this movie. So I also do recommend doing what we did and watching the original Halloween right before you watch this one because some of the references I would have gotten even if I hadn't rewatched it, but yeah. other ones I wouldn't have. All right. And so, so that's our thoughts on the two. So yeah, the Halloween's. new Halloween, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of paint by numbers, but it's entertaining enough. And yeah. And in case you're wondering, by the way, just skip Rob Zombie's Halloween. Don't bother. Um, you know, bother. don't bother with the other movie called Halloween. <laughs> Stick to the first one or maybe the new one. If you have any thoughts on Halloween, make sure email us at wagewithcinema at Gmail or uh, you can leave a message to us on our Facebook and our Twitter. Um, and maybe next time when we talk, we'll have, you know, we uh, luckily this time I will say we had good movies to talk about, though. <laughs> it wasn't, you know, like 
Oogie loves <laughs> in the acrimony adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and I just want to like put down on the record for posterity. This movie's probably going to be a really big hit, right? Oh, oh yeah. It, it, they're they're saying it'll you know cur- right now. Um, last year it uh broke the horror movie box office record because that made like a hundred. 20 or 130 million opening weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if this made 100 million this weekend. I really wish some of that money had gone to Hellfest. I do. God, <laughs> go create a Facebook page. <laughs> Fans of Hellfest. It's you and like one other person will join the group. <laughs> that will join uh, Andrew's group uh, from when we away to cinema. Lines for Linus. <laughs> That's a deep cut there. <laughs> All right. So until next time, I'm Jack. I'm Corey. And the wages of cinema is. Okay. Come on out.